It is two minutes past 10. Joining us now, our good friend, Mr. Al Bat. Good morning, Al, and happy September. Hey, thank you very much. Uh, it'll be another exciting edition of my married life coming up here. Uh, <laughs> happy anniversary to my wife as of September 6th. What, so. what number are we on, Al? Uh, 51. <gasps> happy anniversary, then. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. What's the key to a long and successful marriage, Al? 51 years is quite a long time, so... Uh, forgiving wife. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very good. It, guys, it's pretty simple. That's uh, a nice front page story about Marilyn and Karen Freindahl in the senior perspective. Hmm. Uh, it was the August edition, I believe. Uh, I, I know it's available. They're probably out with the September one now, but it's, it was always available in the library is the place I saw it. But it was a wonderful, wonderful article about two wonderful, wonderful people. So it was nice to see. You know, walking is a great adventure. I know I'm not alone in that feeling. And I was walking the other day, and I watched a dog owner pick up his pooch's poop from the trail. <laughs> And the man's doo-doo diligence made my walk slightly less adventurous, and I, I appreciated that very much. Uh, Gail and I were walking. We heard a pair of barred owls making that distinctive hooting call described as who cooks for you, who cooks for you all. And this rollicking duet carries well through the woods and attracted some crows who hassled them a bit. But the owls are most active at night, but they do call and hunt in the daytime. And the barred owl is smaller and less aggressive than the great horned owl, which is tough competition. It'll do in a barred owl. Uh, Dylan Thomas wrote, of course, do not go gentle into that good night. And that's the way a that's the way of the great horned owls. I am walking with a friend, Mark Sorensen, along Geneva Lake, and uh, Mark is from Hollandale, and we found some blue cohosh. It's a woodland plant preferring moist conditions, and cohosh is an Algonquin word that means something like gnarly root. Oh. Uh, it's, you know, it's one of those that uh, you see so many different different uh, things that it means, but I, I think gnarly root comes uh, pretty close. So cohosh is gnarly root, and of course blue in the blue cohosh is a color found in the entry-level box of eight Crayola crayons. Uh, Queen Anne's lace was everywhere. It looked like doilies had been placed atop plant stems. Uh, yellow bloomed in flowers. There, there's, uh, boy, was there 45 species, I think, of goldenrod in the state and at least a dozen wild sunflowers, and a lot of them hybridized, so it's hard to identify some of those. Uh, thistles bloomed in a prickly and stubborn beauty in the Winnie the Pooh books. Thistles were the gloomy, stuffed donkey Eeyore's favorite food, and uh, we watched goldfinches <laughs> feed on uh, the thistles, so maybe they're all named Eeyore. I put up a third hummingbird feeder to spread the hummingbird rage. Uh, adult male ruby-throated hummingbirds have pointed rectrices, and what? they are of t yeah, tail feathers. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I was like, what in the world? <laughs> you worried me And there. they're dark with no white tips and their tail is forked but young males like we're seeing around now are like females of any age they have white tips on the outer tail feathers on each side each feather is rounded and the tail is fan-shaped 
Uh, my wife and I visited the Henderson Hummingbird Garden to meet friends and be amazed by the hummingbirds there. And uh, they always hum on key. And Brenda Katasik is what a wonderful ambassador for that garden and hummingbirds in general. Uh, each year I enjoy watching Northwestern crows at the National Shrine of St. Therese. And being uh, an American, I guess a Minnesotan, I always want to say St. Therese or St. Teresa. It's, it's in Juneau, St. Therese. And they are slightly, Northwestern crows are slightly smaller than our American crows. And, uh, oh, we talk how they'd sound a little bit more nasal. But now they did a recent genetic study, and they found the two species are one in the same. Uh, but still, I've enjoyed watching those crows drop mollusks or another shellfish onto rocks to expose the fleshy interiors. Or someone would drop rocks to crack the shells. I watched them through binoculars. And I don't know if there's a barnacle or something on some of those rocks or if they're just trying to hit a shell. I would think it'd be hard to hit those shells on the ground. Did you ever and think maybe they're, they might just be doing target practice for fun? Well, you know, it's good strategy, except some of the crows perch on the rocks oh. and wait for the others <laughs> okay. to do the work. So maybe they take a rock up and try to drop it on those layabouts that are down there that aren't doing anything. Well, now, um, I wanted to stop you before you got, because you were just mentioning sure. hummingbirds. There was a hummingbird question about what do you do about a bully hummingbird, a female ruby throat. She is chasing away all the other birds, uh, tried, uh, and they... Uh, she says it's going after people now. When she tries to walk across the garden, she hovers a foot in front of my face and warns me I've not seen this behavior before. So, so you know, you were just chatting about hummingbirds, and they're so cute and everything, but I didn't realize they, I guess there's bullies, apparently. This was on. This yeah, was online. And, yeah. And the males earlier are really, the adult males are really bullies. But uh, now the males, young males and the females look alike. So it could be a young male, too, uh, practicing to be the, the yard bully. They, uh, mine were remarkably well-behaved this morning. I don't know if it's the weather or what. They're just uh, feeding at the different feeders. The one uh, best way to kind of, again, spread out that hummingbird rage is to put up more than one uh, feeder and put them a ways apart so they have to go to different areas. I know Brenda was showing me the... She uses the, the same hummingbird feeders, Brenda Katasik, that we use here in our yard for the most part. They're really nice. Uh, they prevent a lot of bees and insects from getting into them, ants. But she went to uh, one of the places in Mankato and bought these really little cheap feeders for like a dollar. And uh, they... That'd be something you could put up in the yard, pretty reasonable. You put them in different places in the yard, and the rage would still be there. It would still probably be mad at you, but it spreads it out a little bit, so other hummingbirds could get in there and get something to eat. Uh, has a hummingbird ever hurt a person? Because this person mentioned that they were afraid for their own self as the hummingbird kind of uh, had a stance against them. Last year, there were 793 people killed by hummingbirds. Oh, no, stop it! No, I, I don't believe. I don't believe. I mean, would they would they peck you, or or do they just like no, just flit around like get away 
attitude. Yeah, and if uh, I know uh, one lady from, oh, where was she from, uh, Kasuda or somewhere, one year called me and said this hummingbird just getting in my face all the time. And I said, well, do, do you wear a hat when you're in the garden? Yeah, because it gets so hot in there. And <laughs> I said, well, what color is a hat? Well, it's it's red. Oh. And that's so... So to the little hummingbird, this is a huge walking flower that's coming up there. So it's coming up and just going, hey, where do I feed? Yeah, you know, where do I get nectar here? Where's a, I, What kind of flower are you? So sometimes that's it. If you wear a red or orange sweater, they'll come up. But I know I was filling the feeders the other day, and a little guy got right in my face saying, you know, could you speed it up here, pal? Are you getting paid by the hour? You are the slowest person ever. So I think it was just uh, waiting uh, for me to fill it up so it could maybe get a drink quick before it had to deal with other hummingbirds. So, yeah, Every year I hear from a number of people where hummingbirds get up in their face, and it's just uh, that time of year where they're hungry and they got to get something to eat. But again, there's both uh, young males and females out there, and they will look very, very similar. Some of the males will start getting a little color on the gorget, so you'll be able to tell them, but some of the younger, younger males are still uh, looking like females, and they could have an attitude. So you mentioned the but, color change. There is a, a text here that says, uh, are there birds that change color with the seasons? So that's the question uh, from the text here. Yep, there sure are. Uh, a good good share of them do. Uh, the one that I think of most often, I guess, is because most every yard has them, are the goldfinches. And, uh, boy, there sits the males are that beautiful, beautiful yellow color, lemon yellow. And, and the females are, are pretty. But uh, before too long, the males will go through that molt, and they'll look very, very much like, like the females. They have a little yellow on the shoulder and things. But other things, uh, oh, even our cardinals, uh, they go through some color changes. The young ones will molt into more colorful uh, colors, especially the males. So we have uh, starlings will change the way they look because the young ones are sort of a gray color and then they go through a molt and get to look more like that starling look. So all birds go through a molt, at least one molt per year. So, and I tell everybody, it's like uh, most men, we have that favorite shirt and we would wear it every single day of our life if we could get away with it. Sooner or later, that shirt wears out, and we got to go to somewhere and buy a new shirt. Well, birds can't do that. They wear out their feathers, and they need new feathers. So that's a, a great question, because they certainly do change colors. And some of them are quite dramatic. When you think of a goldfinch, you can look outside in the winter and say, boy, these are all females here. But a lot of them are, of course, males. They just change so dramatically from that that beautiful yellow that just reaches out and grabs you and says, look at this, to these kind of olive drab. They're, I think they're just as beautiful, but they're not so quite so spectacular that you have to look at them. And you had a question about somebody who was asking if it's still worth putting out uh, jelly and things for Orioles. Yeah, is it worth putting out orange oranges and, and gray, uh, jelly for Orioles? Because, you know, sometimes they, they're gone and they want to know if should even bother. And I just uh, 
purchased a, a bunch more jelly and put out because uh, they are, I have young Orioles. I still have some males here, and they are just chowing down on the jelly. I have not put any oranges out for a while, but, but I put out the jelly, and oh, my goodness, there's a line. They just wait. I have uh, three jelly feeders going. And each one has a line. Now, this morning, I'm not seeing too many. There's a couple out there. But yesterday, it was incredible. They just, they'd wait for quite a while, and then they'd fly down there with their bill open, like, you got to get out of here. And then they would get their turn. So I think of Orioles leaving at the end of the first week of September. And uh, I know somebody will say, wow, I saw one October 1st one year. They'll always be the outliers. But the bulk will leave at the end of the first week of September. So I am still feeding them, and I'm getting good jelly. So you know what? If they don't eat it, you I'm going to eat it. <laughs> but, yeah, it's going to work out either way. Yeah. Uh, Jane Agerdahl. Uh, Jane is from Faribault. said, hi, my mom, Arlene Agerdahl, lives at St. John's Community Knutson Place in Albert Lee and has a patio. This past week we noticed more bumblebees around her flowers. Then along a patio block raised wall we found eight bumblebees digging in the dirt. They're building a nest. With all the human traffic in the area, administration will most likely want to destroy this activity, spray and kill the bees. Uh, they don't know about it yet. I personally don't want my mom swarmed by bees either. With the pollinator crisis, can this nest be somehow moved or saved, or am I crazy to ask? I don't know where to start asking. Do you have any potential resources? The nest has doubled in size in just three days. Um, thanks, Jane. That's nice of you to care both about your mom and about bumblebees. You know, I hope they can all get along. Uh, bumblebees aren't aggressive, and they're generally interested only in finding flowers. They may act defensively if of something disturbs their nest. And during the late fall now, this entire colony will die except for the queen. She'll hibernate underground during the winter months and start a new colony in the spring. Most bumblebee colonies don't survive being relocated. So it, the best scenario would be to let them finish their short life, life cycles rather than move the nest. Um, if you must, it'd be easier to reroute the nest entrance. Uh, and then, boy, you have to get a length of flexible tubing, maybe an inch in diameter, and attach the tubing to the nest entrance and make the junction as tight as possible, and gaps can be plugged with soil, and place the other end of the tube wherever you want the new entrance to be, secured in place as best you can, and put some landmarks around it, because bees use landmarks to navigate, and when they leave the nest, they fly around the hole and memorize those features. So well, rocks, what kind of landmarks? I'm trying. Are you talking like a statue of a queen bee or something, or what, what kind of landmark? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, plant pots, rocks, oh. anything like that that okay. they might notice. So, um, yeah, good luck, you know. And I, and I understand the uh, the Knutson place there would probably not be real. I'm sure they're happy to have the bees around, but probably not so thrilled to have a, a nest of them right there. Uh, Chad Hines, good guy at Bethany. He said at the Bethany Hawk Watch, uh, boy, there's four Mississippi kites. 
and they're passing over the Land of Memory parks in Mankato, catching dragonflies. And uh, there's four kites there, but many, many, many times that in burgers. Uh, Daniel Otten of Hayward sent me a photo of milkweed bugs and said, what the heck are these things? And I said, they're milkweed bugs. <laughs> uh, Susan Wegner. Uh, Susan is from Maine. And uh, Susan was nice enough. I, I whined one day on visiting with you that uh, it's hard to find uh, a mass for fatheads like me. They're either too short around the ears or uh, they don't fit under the chin and everything. And Susan sent me uh, a, uh, a place that sells uh, masks for fatheads like me. Uh, anyway, Susan, who listens from Maine, said, Dear Al, our seasons have changed. We've left the punishing heat and humidity waves with their abnormally high and dry fire danger warnings behind. I thought of you as I stepped out in the backyard to sweep the accumulated dust off the flagstones. Ah, a lovely lawn spider web and a minute yet fearless red-breasted nut hat zoomed within a foot of my head as if spirited away its selection from the tube feeder portal. John has bought unknowingly a mixture of bugs and berries seed mix for the next feeder fill. Dried larvae, I guess. Forty-some years ago, when John was working in what was then called Zaire, he bypassed a market offering of roasted caterpillars. Maybe it's his subconscious was urging him toward a second opportunity. As I walked back to the garage door, I noticed that this pretty spiderweb had transformed itself into a small sheet of battered plastic film that had blown over from the elementary school construction site next door. This new Titanic-like structure is named in honor of our native naturalist, Kate Furbish, who detected the rare Furbish lousewort up in the St. John's Valley region. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed your recent brilliant portraits of dragonflies. Well, thank you, Susan, and thanks for the fathead mask information. <laughs> Wendy Hagen of Albert Lee said, My daughter sent me the attached photo asking, What is this? It had crawled onto our driveway, presumably to escape the lawnmower. She said it was about five inches long. It's a big green caterpillar that has uh, orange and red and all these other colors, and it's a Cecropia moth caterpillar. And Cecropias are just, uh, oh, incredible. And Wendy says, uh, it's gorgeous. Have you ever seen one? Dumb question. Of course you have. Well, I haven't seen everything, Wendy. I'd sure like to. Uh, Eric Anikstead of St. Peter says, as we've been chopping corn silage, we are swarmed by barn swallows. Are they catching bugs or just showing off their wings? <laughs> barn swallows... Barn swallows enjoy the company of farm implements, lawnmowers, cattle, and anything else that flushes flying insects that the birds could eat on the go, Eric. But I think they like, uh, they, they just look like they're really enjoying flying. They make that little click it, click it sound, and they're flying around out there. And uh, some of the young ones, I bet, are, are really uh, enjoying those first flights. And Richard Stadheim, uh, who farms near Albert Lee, sent me a photo of an albino barn swallow, and you can see that it has pink eyes. Uh, Tim Scott sent me something from Nashville, and it's uh, from a Nashville TV station. It says, if you've been in downtown Nashville, 
at sunrise and sunset over the last month. I have to add, I've been to Nashville, and everywhere I went, there was somebody playing a guitar. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And every one of them was so good. You'd say, why isn't this guy a superstar? There's just uh, songs about all the guitar pickers in Nashville, and boy, it's true. Uh, But this article says in downtown Nashville, you may have noticed tens of thousands of birds flying around. It's something that happens every year when the purple martins roost before they migrate south during the late summer. It's hard to believe over the next few weeks that these birds will fly 3,000 miles to South America. Research shows that they are going into Brazil and that area and lowlands east of the Andes. you know, Rob says, why am I seeing more pelicans than in the past? Well, the ban of DDT really made a difference. But also the recognition of the importance of wetlands has certainly helped. Uh, pelicans, uh, pelican chicks are, uh, oh, they're attractive uh, in their own way. They're altricial, which means that they, um, they, they're born or they hatch helpless. And then they have to crawl, walk, swim, run, and then flap their wings before they can fly at 9 to 10 weeks of age. I uh, saw a study once from, I suppose it would be a pelicanologist, who said it takes 150 pounds of fish to get one to that point of flight. And they can have over 9-foot wingspan, not far from 10-foot in some cases. And they have black tips on the wings, and that melanin in those black tips protects feathers from the sun and salt damage. Mm. And I have uh, had my picture taken with my foot. I have size 14 shoes, and I put them <laughs> next to a, uh, a pelican bill, and it uh, far surpasses the length of my, my feet. Uh, they hold enough water for the equivalent, they tell me, of two toilet flushes. So that'd be three gallons around in that area. And I was thinking three gallons equals 24 pounds. That'd be yeah. more than a pelican weighs, which could be 20 pounds. And uh, I always say they're fish locators cause we're, for cormorants because where I see pelicans, Pretty soon cormorants fly in, but I, I'm sure those cormorants chase up some fish for the pelicans as well. And I got this same question from three people saying, is it a wasp or a bee? And they all sent photos. And uh, they were, uh, uh, two of them were hoverflies, so they were neither wasp or bee. And the one was a, a little bee, a longhorn bee. You know, is it a wasp or a bee? Is it cute? If so, it's probably a bee. The bees are cute. Wasps and hornets, they look, uh, I don't know, they have some PR deficits. They look like pro wrestling villains. And it says in uh, Exodus, I'll send hornets ahead of you, and they'll drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites before you. So keep that in mind if you have some irksome highlights around. It's a, a beautiful day out there today for going for a walk. And I don't think it's it's not going to rain till late. Is that right, Karen? Yeah, it's not. It should be later if it does. So no worries. Yeah, this is, uh, boy, it's just going to be a nice day to get out there and really take a nice stroll on one of our in, well, they're not quite endless because nothing is, but our endless supply of, of 
wonderful trails. And you got something from John from New Ulm. I did. Hang on. Let me get to, he sent me a text this morning. <laughs> it's a joke. Uh, it's a riddle, I guess you'd call it. Oh, man. Oh, and of course he's going to say, Al should know this. What do you say yeah, I... to a crying grammar teacher? Uh, what do you say to a crying grammar teacher? I don't know. There, there, there. T-H-E-R-E, T-H-E-I-R, and T-H-E-Y oh, apostrophe R-E. <laughs> Reporting from New Ulm, John. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he should never put, uh, I know I'll get this one, that is just, that's the sentence of doom right there, because it just makes it impossible. Hey, Al, I I have a question for you. Um, I've got coming in and out under the door that I go out, the the side door of the garage, uh, a whole bunch of those, I think they're hornets, the thing I got stung by, and they're still coming in and out. Should I just wait till it gets colder and do something about them, or what do you think? Yeah, that's that's what I do typically because um, yellow jackets are the nasty ones. Oh, but, that uh, man, that that sting was something else. It it hurt for a long time, but but you know I can see they're going in and out, and then they come out, and there's like a little trail of sand, you know, when they come in and out. I don't know if they do they does that come out? Do they dig those little sand grains out or or what? They will uh, certainly nest in the ground. Yeah, so they. Uh, well, it's sort of in the ground side. It's kind of in the side. They're not really. They go in like kind of under the like the foundation. There's a little board and underneath, and but I can see as they come out on the concrete, there's a little bit of like sand grains coming out. So I'm wondering if they do they dig that? Do they carry those it's out? Very possible. And I think I sent you one photo. I took of a. There was a yellow jacket with just his head peeking out of this hole, saying, "Why I oughta." <laughs> and you know, this time of year, uh, they get they run out of work because all the the young have been raised and everything, so their their sense of purpose is no longer there. And so, and they probably realize that maybe they're not going to live forever. So, with no real job where they have to take care of young and feed young they're out there and they uh, they probably are just looking for something to do to bother other people and this time of year they develop a sweet tooth as i mentioned mm-hmm. often they you have to watch your cans at picnic your soft drink cans because they will climb into there and that's not a good thing to drink a yellow jacket but they they don't have anything to do they have uh, less responsibility so they're out there getting in trouble and then before too long, some of their food sources will dry up a little bit, and so then they'll get even nastier. They just get uh, they get a bad attitude at that point in life because things just are not going for them. They are. Um, I know I, I talked somebody had them, and they were putting uh, one of the dust around a, a hole in the ground because it was uh, in a place where the kids were playing and mm, things, sure. and they were worried that they might get stung by them. And, you know, being uh, I remember being a kid, and somehow I would have found a way to be stung by them, just seeing how, how much I could irritate them before they would sting me. And that's just, I guess, part of being a kid sometimes. But, yeah, they're uh, good luck with them, I guess, Karen. <laughs> I uh, again. I hope everybody will get out there and uh, just visit. I went to a cemetery to visit the graves of my parents. I had these wonderful parents, and I just I I talked to. Them. And then one of the nice things about uh, going to cemeteries, you can 
talk to grave sites and you know people don't even think you're just talking to somebody on the phone they know who you're talking to and i listen to them spinning in their graves about a world that had become a bokeh or bulky, whichever way you want to pronounce it. It's that blurred quality or effect seen in the out-of-focus portion of a photograph taken with a narrow depth of field. And, you know, in this day and age, a devil's advocate has never been less appreciated than today. I remember as a kid, they just take the other side just to get somebody all irritated. I don't have to do that now. My mother and father didn't share the same political beliefs. Dad voted, and then Mom went into town and canceled his vote. And <laughs> life was good with no evident rancor. I think blood, sweat, and tears said it best when they sang, what goes up must come down, spin and wheel, got to go round, talking about your troubles, it's a crying sin, ride a painted pony, let the spin and wheel spin. All the answers may be found in those lyrics, but I doubt it. <laughs> I, uh, I'm i sorry. I blame myself. I didn't forward that one email to 10 other people, and now Uh-oh. we have 2020. Oh, I was dear. warned. It's my <laughs> fault. My yeah, apologies. <laughs> Remember, folks, Heartland as well, we're driving past. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank you, Karen, as always, for your exquisite company. Do something wild today, folks. Get out there and look at a bird. Hey, Al, great to chat with you. We'll chat with you next week. Until then, have a great one. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, so great to talk with Al Betty. Just a great guy. It is 1031, and you're listening to a Minnesota.